Hello and welcome to Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John, here with Bill. The Matt Sharp of the podcast. The show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Alright, Bill, what are we doing today? It's time again to travel. Time travel. We're time traveling. Back to when Green came out. We were going to get an understanding of pop culture at the time to maybe just give some more context to the listeners and ourselves of what was going on and how Green Day is evolving with pop culture. I'm sorry, how Green Day is evolving with pop culture? Green album. Good. Day. Okay. It's a green album yeah, day. Yeah. It's a green <laughs> album day. Doing. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so that'll help us keep in with Weezer. We know it's going to get real pop culture-y real quick with Weezer, but I think we've also noticed some... Even in these earlier episodes, like the changing of pop culture affecting where Weezer's at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're wrapping up the 90s, starting to pop into the early 2000s. We are hitting 1999, 2000, and 2001 today. A uh, lot on our plate. So, Bill, I think we just jump into it. You want to start with 1999? Um, I guess I can run through some of the timeline of events. Um, yeah. Or, or right early on, January 1st, the euro is established as is that, uh, currency. Is that in, good or bad? Um, I think in theory, probably good. In practice, probably more bad than good. But somebody that knows more, please educate me on that because I have no fucking idea. Welcome to our World Economics Podcast. Yeah. Uh, we launched, the U.S. launched a uh, Mars lander. Um, so that's fun. Uh, Bill Clinton was acquitted in his impeachment proceedings. Hey, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, less good, uh, much less good. Uh, April 20th was the Columbine High School shooting in uh, Littleton, Colorado. Just a little less good, I yeah, guess. a little less good. Uh, I was just about to move to Colorado from uh, Chicago. And right while this was happening, and my friends were like, Hey, Bill, Bill, that's where you're moving. You're moving to where the schools get shot up. Well, now everywhere schools get shoot up, shot up. But, yeah, uh, at least in this country. Um, uh, yeah. Thanks, America. Uh, even worse for where we're at right now is uh, in August August 16th of 99, Putin is approved uh, as the prime minister of Russia. Thanks, Russia. Not long later are the Russian apartment bombings, and not long after that, Putin becomes the acting president of Russia. Yay. Uh, so that was a crappy year, 1999. During all that, there was the Y2K mania. That was uh, one of the biggest things just with the people. Yeah, at least the world didn't end. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, freaking out about all the computers are going to shut down as soon as we rolled into the year 2000, which didn't happen at all. Uh, did your family freak out, hoard, do anything? No. Neither did mine. We just had a regular year. Same, Everything same was totally people. fine. Um, yeah. So Y2K mania totally happened, but uh, we weren't really a part of it. Uh, all right, Bill, it, do movies and television because this is a much more fun list. Than now, what, are you, what are you talking about? I think that was a great string of events that happened. Uh, well, John, maybe the most devastating thing to happen in this entire list is... Uh, the Star Wars prequel? Yes. Episode one, The Phantom Menace. It's the highest grossing movie of 1999 and a letdown for many. Uh, you know, even though the internet has seemingly come back around on these films, I haven't no, seen them in a while. No, they're fucking um, insane. They're bad movies. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't no, think they're bad. I want to watch those <laughs> movies anymore. Um, I mean, I have them all memorized and I'll watch them at a drop of a hat, but they're terrible. <laughs> they're not good Star Wars. Okay. 
Um, the sixth sense was the sixth highest gro- six. God, sixth sense was the second highest grossing movie okay. of the year, which kind of follows our trend of like indie directors getting their shot and like making buku bucks on small budgets. Okay, which you know follows our little Weezer trend of liking the indie darling. Ooh, we get the Matrix. Um, doesn't doesn't the Matrix have that one guy that uh, opened up for Weezer that one time? Oh yeah, look at him. He's doing good for himself. Yeah, what, what do you know? Uh, bassist of Dogstar. Yeah, Keanu Rivers. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, uh, good, yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, yeah, Matrix used Muji in '99. Uh, Brandon Fraser in the Mummy. That's fun. It's a uh, Fraser, John. Fraser. Yes. Not Fraser. No. All right. Well, <laughs> fuck that one up. Sorry, man. I butcher every, names all no, the time, and that's does. the one that I'm going to butcher. Yeah, no, everyone does. You, you can find some <laughs> interviews of him being like, "I don't correct people," but. Okay, well, um, I'm okay, pretty sure um, I got this one right. Mikhail Miers in Austin Powers. <laughs> Nailed it. I think Austin Powers is another thing we can look at as like a culture shift of just taking the piss out of a franchise like James Bond and like... And kind of like destroying that genre for a handful of years. Yeah, exactly. Like they're like James Bond were used to be fun like before the Daniel Craig reboot and like same thing goes for Batman before uh, Batman and Robin killed the genre it was like these movies used to be able to have a little bit of fun but when you make too much fun of it then they have to get dead serious yeah all right um okay office space came out that's a fun one yeah that's centered around uh y2k right plot wise yeah absolutely um what else do we got Dogma, Kevin Smith. Yes, um, our, our known Weezer fan. <laughs> true. Again, with the indie movies making way too much money, Blair Witch dropped and started the uh, found footage horror, which is one of my favorite genres of horror. That okay. shit rules. And then TV looks like it was, uh, we got some animation for sure. We get Futurama, we get SpongeBob, we get Family Guy. Uh, but then also one of my, you know, childhood heroes growing up watching television, John Stewart premieres as the host of the daily show in 99. Yeah. For some reason, I feel like that should affect our Weezer story somehow or at some point, but I don't know if it's going to. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do know that he played once, uh, Weezer played once on an unaired episode of the John oh, Stewart yeah. show. There we go. Um, but we'll see if uh, the Daily Show ever comes back around. Yeah, we try to make our Weezer connections here and there. Yeah, uh, where I'm not going to be able to make any Weezer connections, though, and it's probably just going to be a segment that gets cut moving forward because we're getting to the very end of like people that I fucking know, is uh, people that were born in 1999. Yeah, I think we got a little bit of time left on these before like we, we this start talking episode, about this episode. Maybe one more, but at that point, it's just going to be like, uh, you know, maybe one or two seventeen-year-old TikTok stars that I've never heard of before. But I got nothing. Yeah, that's fair. But in 1999, we got uh, the Dobre Bros, some YouTube stars. Uh, you probably haven't heard of them, but Bill and I did an episode of them on our old show, and it was just bad music. That's true. Um. Belle Delphine, she sold her bathwater to a bunch of people on the internet and made headlines. Good for her. Good for her, actually. It's weird, but good for her. Uh, Dream, he is a like YouTuber, Minecraft player, and cheater. I uh, don't know who this is. Uh, held some world records, was cheating the whole time. It was a big deal. And one that's actually important to the musical story, I mean, not the Weezer story, but to music, is Little Nas X. Hey, we don't know yet. <laughs> there could be a Little Nas uh, Weezer collab by the time we get to... I fucking hope so. I would not doubt in my mind that Little Nas X is a Weezer fan. 
That'd be interesting. Right? Uh, Lil Nas X, if you're listening, reach out. Let us know. <laughs> Friend of the pod. <laughs> hey, you said that. At, um, not me. Uh, oh, I wish. I have not looked at your um, celebrity death list. Okay. Uh, we got a couple sports stars. We got Wilt Chamberlain and Joe DiMaggio. Uh, we got Stanley Kubrick of film. We got the oh, beloved yeah. author Shel Silverstein dies in 99. That sucks. Uh, we get the pop star Dusty Springfield. We get the uh, funk and soul legend Curtis Mayfield. And then we get Rick Danko, the bassist of the band. I saw uh, you wrote of the band and I was like, he wasn't in Weezer. Uh, yes. no, uh, but Stanley Kubrick does make sense. We didn't talk about it, but uh, Eyes Wide Shut did come out this year and that was the last film he worked on. Okay. Music. It's a music podcast, John. It is a music podcast. Uh, what were some of the biggest albums and songs this year, Bill? you got a nice list going for us. All right, that's true. Uh, number one songs. we got a top, did I just do five? Top five here. We have uh, Share, Believe, which was, and I feel like it's still everywhere. Oh, and that means we have to listen to that today. Yeah. I, oh, what do you got against Share, man? I mean, really nothing, but be because this song is still everywhere, like, just, I would rather listen to You can put, a, put on, like, a 16-minute house remix of it. It'll be sweet. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's we'll see that. sit here in our chairs silently we'll listening the listeners to house do it as well. Yeah. Uh, TLC No Scrubs, number two. Angel of Mine by Monica, number three. Heart, Heartbreak Hotel by Whitney Houston, and I did no further research to see if this was an Elvis cover or not. Okay. I assume it was Or just a wasn't. new song by the yeah. same name. Um, and then Baby One More Time by Britney Spears yes, to round out the yeah, top five? Britney Spears is about to um, be all up in our business for the next, like, 10 years. Okay. Um, but we're still on the trend of, like, the biggest singles do not equal the biggest albums because I we're mean, looking it, at... It's kind of interesting because the vibes are the same now. Because last time we were saying how a bunch of these rock albums were the best-selling albums, but the uh, songs were still pop... But right. top selling albums are Backstreet Boys, Millennium, Britney Spears, Baby One More Time, Shania Twain, Come On Over, NSYNC self-titled, and Ricky Martin self-titled. Which I get what you're saying. Like, they don't have the, none of those. Well, yeah, Br- really Britney. outside of Br- Britney Spears is the only yeah. one that's on both lists. Right. But, like, this fanaticism starts to boil up with, like, TRL just becoming such a powerhouse of pushing culture at, like, TRL on MTV just pushing this weird culture of boy bands or new metal, and those are your only options. Okay, well, what what is the other option then? Because we are a rock and roll podcast, Bill. Uh, rock and roll, nineteen ninety nine. We had some fun albums. Um, yeah. What we've got Foo Fighters. There's nothing left to lose. Uh, one of my favorites and it hugely influential emo album, Jimmy World's Clarity, out in ninety nine. Clarity. What a weird story. Look up the full Jimmy World like selling your like major label story with clarity is wild yeah um we're not gonna have that much time to get into it but it's it's crazy we can't cover it uh rage against the machines battle of los angeles fucking huge nine inch nails the fragile i um, added that just for you john thank you you know i love my nine inch nails i was over here listening to blink 182's enema of the state and limp biscuit's significant other and just having a blast those two probably were 
two of my most played albums okay. like, at the time. And then we also get some early work from a band that we're definitely going to hit on later. Uh, Newfound Glory comes in with the uh, Nothing Gold Can Stay. Are maybe? we definitely gonna, or you just want to talk about Newfound Glory? I definitely want to talk about Newfound Glory. So yeah, I think they're going to come up at some point. And uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers were fucking everywhere again with Californication. Oh, yes. Californication was... Was that like a comeback for them, or were they big this whole time? I mean, I think they took a couple steps down from Blood Sugar Sex Magic, but I, I don't when, know. Uh, oh, um, yeah. No, no, no. Because what's his face? Dave Navarro was in the band for an album, and that didn't do anything. Okay. I didn't know that history. <laughs> yeah. The 90s were weird for I'll, them. I'll never look into that band uh, story because I, I, know, I don't like their music. Yeah, I know too much about Chili Peppers for not being a fan. Um, also, we would be remiss if we did not mention Creed in 1999 um all the all your grunge seeds are about to start sprouting up like like the metal kids who didn't go grunge and went funk metal they're turning new metal but anybody that like was fully grunge is now starting to make bands and it's post grunge and it's creed and it's nickelback and it's puddle of mud it's all coming for you, and it's all going to be in the tops of the charts. Yeah, okay. Well, to get my mind off of the impending puddle of mud, Bill, do you want to listen to some Cher? Hell yeah, dude. we got some music to listen to. Um, so yeah, the number one song of 1999, Believe by Cher. You know how much I hate a fade out. I know you do, John. Uh, John, auto tune. Cher made auto tune popular. I yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, well, Cher's a recording man. What do you call those guys in the studio with the boots? What do you call yourself, engineer? I do not call <laughs> myself an engineer. Of course you do. But thank you. You auto tune my voice all the time. But yeah, uh, there it is. Producer Mark Taylor. Um, was the one that was like, you know that auto-tune thing that's supposed to make you sound like perfect? Check this out. And apparently Cher, he was he was really nervous. Cher was going to hate it. Showed it to Cher. Cher was like, this rules. Then they showed it to the studio, the uh, label, and the label said, get rid of it. That's terrible. And then Cher was like, fuck you. We're keeping it. Yeah, and then they had a demo um, that was circling around for a while. The studio liked the chorus, but nobody really liked the rest of the song. Uh kept floating around kept floating around kept floating around and then eventually it's a number one hit and yeah what what we know now like 20 plus years later as like one of the most influential dance pop tunes to have ever happened it's still being sampled fucking everywhere you cannot go out for a night of drinking in places that are going to be playing like dance type of music and not hear that like five or six fucking times you know it's a good time it's a good time um you know, end your song, but yeah, uh, that feels like a good last pop hit of the nineties. Yeah. I think that's a big, um, a big thing to take in is that a new millennium is about to start and there's, I think it was in fashion. I was reading an article about this, that like fashion trends go in cycles and like 
you know, you adopt things like in when we in the 90s, people were taking from hippies, 60 and 70s culture and like it loops around like that. But apparently whenever you get to a big number, like a century change or a millennium change, mm-hmm. people just lose their minds and everybody see it. Yeah. and everybody thinks everything needs to be reinvented and you can't just pick shit up. That's why fashion gets really wacky. Music can start to do some weird things. And, like, certain cycles can get broken around times like this. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> speaking of music starting to do some weird things, um, let's go with a band that kind of a little bit showed up out of nowhere and then blew up, exploded, was a big deal in a lot of different ways, and then just kind of disappeared for a while. Is this going to be John's pick? It's going to be John's pick. What's John's pick? Let's do something off of 1999's. Battle of Los Angeles. Ooh, okay. Rage. Let's rage a little bit. Um, did you ever go through a phase with this band? Were you? Yeah, I, I discovered them uh, on this album uh, with Gorilla Radio was the first music video I saw from them. And that's what got me sold. And then also, I believe that's in Tony Hawk 2. Okay. But uh, no, I bought the album like the second I saw that video. Excellent. And Gorilla Radio just that that's the Wall Street video, right? Yes. I know a lot of it's in a white room. No, I think that is the Wall Street video. Yeah. Okay. It like goes between White Room and Wall Street. Okay. I mean, well, let's fact check while we listen to it. Let's fact check while we listen to Gorilla Radio. <laughs> Yeah, it was the White Room video. <laughs> yeah, the White Room, not the Wall Street. It was the White Room, and then it had some shots at like sweatshop workers. But yeah, it was a uh, testify. Actually, was the uh, okay. Wall Street video. Apparently. Got it. Yeah, yeah, dude, rage. Like, yeah, we're, this is the end of rage. <laughs> yeah, it, this is like the last album. I mean, what they put out some later stuff, right? But uh, really? Renegades of Funk was the next year, and they broke up. Okay, yeah. And so I, this was the end of. Yeah, because Renegades of Funk, Renegades of Funk is just covers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice to have. I mean, Rage is kind of like the Godfathers of new metal at this point. Like their early albums really set the tone of like rap ish delivery in the verses mm-hmm. and just scream your fucking head off in the courses. But between like Rage and System of a Down, it was really nice to have really political forward bands. Uh, when I was growing up around that time. Yeah, not completely that, agree. Yeah, not that like the maybe rage more so wasn't saying like too much like specific things like say Dead Kennedys do or I guess this move down does. But like, you know, still it's like enough to get your brain moving and thinking about it. Yeah. They, they, they don't have me reading about the Armenian genocide like system does. But rage is like, we're mad. And like, yeah, yeah. We're mad. Yeah, fuck the government. We're progressive. Fuck the government. That's it, that's sometimes all you need. Um, but yeah, that that's a fun track off of. I mean, I'm just reading that album sold almost half a million copies in its first week, and then it goes on to be double platinum. Checks um, out. They were huge. Yeah. Goddamn. Four hundred and fifty thousand copies in the first week for the Battle of Los Angeles. Um, all right. That that was a big album in '99. That was a fun one. They played Woodstock '99. Was that the one 
Green Day was at? No, good. Green Day was 94. Okay. Are we going to do this every week? We're going to do this every time. <laughs> Forget which Woodstock everyone was at. You didn't even mention Woodstock in your year recap. You were too focused on how bad everything was and I not how yeah. and not how good and friendly and peaceful of a time everyone had at Woodstock. I mean, if but if we're just going to keep doing it every couple of years, then like what's the point? Um well, because this one wasn't friendly and shit got lit on fire. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bill, what do you got? I'm sure you want us to listen to Enema of the State. Yeah, dude. Let's listen to Aliens Exist off Enema of the State, speaking about learning stuff through songs. All right. Aliens Exist, you piece of shit, making me listen. I am still a skeptic, yes, you know me. All right, that was fun. Ah, uh, such a good song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Blink's not normally my style, um, but so honestly, it's, it's just because I didn't like that band when I should have liked that band. Too bad. This ominous-ass fucking alien song. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It really shows off uh, Travis Barker joining the band, too. Like, he drums like Travis Barker on that song. He really does. Um, okay, so that's a pretty fun song off of what is easily one of the most influential pop punk albums to have ever pop punked. Yeah. To, to break the wall a bit, we look up top selling albums of every year and it can be kind of a pain in the ass to make sure you get the right list because you can find best selling albums of all time from that year. And Mm -hmm. enemy of the state is always in the top five or top three of best selling album from 1999 because it's got longevity. People still buy it. Yeah, so like, I mean, how many times is it platinum at this point? Um, what certifications? U.S. It is five times platinum in the U.S. Uh, but it was not like how how quickly did this one sell? Do I mean, you know? it it finished the year in the top twenty. I think the top ten even. But okay, like, so you know. it was probably at least one time platinum. Yeah, it, it went pretty quick. Okay. Uh, and I mean, I think that'll wrap it up for 99, unless you want me to tell you about Majesty 12 and what Tom DeLonge's singing about and the group of 12 organized by Truman to recover the Roswell spacecraft and cover it up in the public. I'm pretty sure you just did that. Um, no, John, 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 John. <laughs> no, no, no this, is, this, is, this is a Weezer podcast, yeah, not an I know. alien podcast. I, this is the only time there is anywhere to put anything paranormal in this whole goddamn show because Rivers apparently doesn't see ghosts and aliens everywhere. <laughs> Thank God and for in, that. I'm never they, doing a Blink show. With unless you. they hit Bigfoot with a van in a later tour, I don't think I'm going to get to talk about this shit ever. <laughs> uh, no, but Bill, before we go into 2000, I do want to know where. Where are you at in 2000? Fuck, I hate it when you ask these questions. Um, okay, so um, like I said, we were moving to Colorado right when Columbine was happening. I remember watching Woodstock 99 on a tiny little TV in the new house we had. And pretty much from 1999 is when I considered myself like a fucking grown up. You know, when you do that as a kid and you're just like, yeah, I know yep. everything now. I'm an adult. Yep. And but pretty much from here on out, I'm going to have a pretty good grasp on what's actually going on in the world and where I'm at with Weezer, what Weezer's doing. OK. And uh, musically, I'm, I'm, I'm getting real formed. Yeah, I'm definitely not yet. Um, 
baseball is the biggest thing in my life. I'm just playing sports and hanging out with my friends. Nice, uh, nice. Probably starting to play a lot more video games. Um, but musically, it's really just kind of whatever's on. I'm being influenced a lot still by my parents' tastes. Uh, so probably like some Bruce Springsteen is still huge in my home at this time through my father. Oh, you kids and your Bruce. Bruce is fun, man. Well, oh, I guess also uh, this is when I got a guitar. This is when I started playing music. All right. Well, without further ado then, Bill, let's jump into the year 2000, shall we? Uh, so yeah, in the year 2000, things happen as they do. Uh, right early on, we got another big corporate buyout bill. AOL buys Time Warner. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, you know, you keep asking me that question and I keep having no fucking idea. Uh, probably when it's an economic thing, my guess is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, at the time, it's the largest corporate buyout to date. Um, we've got a century leap year. The hell does that mean? It, it means a leap year happening like on a century year. So the year 2000 hasn't, it happens once every 400 years. John, I don't think I want to put you in charge of events anymore. I don't know what's going on. It, it was kind of a boring year, so we just had to do some shit. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, less boring. Uh, the PS2 is released in Japan, PlayStation 2. I'm sure you played a lot of Ooh. PS2 games growing up, right? And now we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Oh, maybe that's it. We, we talked about uh, doing a video game section in our in-years, but these are already really long. Once we lose birthdays. Yeah, okay. Maybe we replace that with cool video games. Okay. Well, thanks for making editing this section a pain. What do you mean, Eddie? This is this stays in, John. Interjecting. This is content. This is content. Content right here. All right, all right. Uh, We get the Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia uh, during the year 2000. Nice. Uh, We get the first crew enters the space station during the year 2000. That's fun. Uh, 2000, we have a presidential election, Bush versus Gore. We all remember how that went. Recount, stop the recount. Yeah, Gore loses, Bush wins. Uh, right. Yeah. Bill, was that good or was that bad? Nailed it. <laughs> what a great year, maybe. Oh, uh, fuck. All right. Uh, movies, Bill. Uh, oh, God. Mission Impossible 2 was the number one movie of the year. That's the only really? Mission Impossible I've ever seen. Okay. I, I remember seeing the fifth one back in like high school. <laughs> nice. Uh, Mission Impossible 2, followed by Gladiator, Castaway, What Women Want, and Dinosaur. Yes, I did say the Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want, where he has the ability to hear women's thoughts. That is the premise of the movie. It is weird. So, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to comment no, on that there, any further. Just, let's, just, it, let's move on. Yeah, we're at the height of Mel Gibson. He can just make money on anything. Okay. Uh, American Psycho, Christian Bale. That's a fun one. Yeah, that's um, fun. A uh, big, big change here that is relevant to our Weezer story. X-Men is released. Superheroes are about to become mainstream culture, not just nerd culture. This is the start of it. We're still a ways away. But it all begins with X-Men making a dick load of money. And canonically, we know Rivers has a connection to uh, X-Men in yeah. particular. Yeah, I would love to hear like a review of him from uh, about that movie. I wonder if he liked it. Okay. Uh, one that I know is a favorite of both of ours, uh, Final Destination, comes out in 2000. <laughs> oh, I was looking at Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> no, not probably one of both of our favorites. I mean, I mean... Uh, yeah, I was a young boy at the time. That was actually actually one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. 
the scary movie comes out. Anything else you want to hit on on movies? Uh, I think scary movie. I mean, I guess there's always parody movies, but scary movie kind of hammers home that we're going to take a trope or we're going to make fun of something so hard that it's done. Okay. Yeah. And I, we're going to come back to that in a few years, but I'm not sure we're going to get one, uh, this big for a bit, at least, uh, television wise, we get Malcolm in the middle. Great show. Um, MTV Cribs, for some reason, you put this on this list. I wanted to <laughs> emphasize again just the uh, the power MTV has and the celebrity culture they're creating. Like, it's straight up them. The, uh, the most famous, one of the most famous episodes is the Wu-Tang episode where they go to, I think it's, it's Riz's or Ghostface Killer's house, and it's just the, his house. Straight up, there's just they're just playing games. It looks like a normal house; it's not a mansion, and that's because MTV would just go rent people mansions to cultivate this weird culture, right? And it's like Weezer is existing in the same space, but not participating. Yeah, and okay. Maybe that's what keeps them lower because bands like Blink would participate in things like this, which gives them that higher status. But mm, Green, okay. Green Day is just under the radar of most of these things. Is this the second fucking time you've said Green Day when you've met Weezer? Son of a bitch. Dude, we, okay. twice on this no, episode, no, no. this we, is not a fucking Green Day podcast. We need to move the Green Album that's above your head. Because I'm Why? Because, sure because the, literal, the literal Weezer album behind yeah, yeah. my head is making you think Green Day. Yeah, that Green Album. <sighs> okay, wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> In other just horrible bullshittery, uh, Jackass debuts in 2000. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, another uh, MTV product. Um, this one, a direct result of something we talked about a few years ago with uh, the X Games coming out and, you know, extreme and skateboard, uh, really all that culture just busting into the mainstream uh, has now paved the way for stuff like Jackass, which is kind of uh, like a blooper reel of that, but also not really. Um, yeah, it's a weird, again, there's this. Uh, there's a culture reset of some kind happening in 2000. And it is that like mix of extreme sports, but it's the the skate culture mixed with I think you said earlier off air, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, my wife would hate me if I didn't mention that uh, Gilmore Girls debuts in 2000. So that oh, happens. It's a delightful show. Yeah. Um, uh, is it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, yes, it's it fun. Is. It sucks and I hate it, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, all right. People are born again in 2000, but not many. Uh, rapper Lil Pump. Uh, we got Ice Spice uh, in 2000, Ice and Spice. we get uh, Halle Bailey in 2000. Yeah, um, the Little Mermaid of the, hopefully one of the last live action Disney remakes we get. I'm so sick of them. Yeah, same. Um, okay, Dying in 2000, we get uh, Charles Schultz, unfortunately. Oh, uh, cartooner Green. of the Peanuts. Yeah, cartoonist. Um, actors Walter Matthau and Alec Guinness. We've got Christy McCall, the British pop artist. We've got Johnny Taylor, the R&B singer. And we've got the uh, legendary Latin and salsa composer Tito Puente. Not Tito. Yeah. Um, so that's who died in 2000. Bill, you got you got the lock on some of the top, top music that happened? Yeah, I think, I, I think th this is also a weird top songs list because uh, Faith Hill has the number one song, which... 
I well, mean, I, we've seen a lot of these kind of female country pop artists topping the charts over the last few years. I don't think this is that insane to me. It's just so weird how the country culture is on a just completely different spectrum than everything else that we pay attention to in our lives. Right, but Faith then... Faith Hill, number one song. Like, what? I, I, hey, man, 35% <laughs> of the country voted for Donald Trump, so... <laughs> those same people are got to be the country culture, right? That's a gross, uh, gross generalization that I apologize for. How Uh, how dare you attach Faith Hill to that? Uh, Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas is number two. Santana also has the number three spot. Um, But that album came out last year, though, right? Um, It just takes a year for uh, the singles to pop up. Yeah, Santana's album came out in 99, but just... It, it was one of those slow-growing, just steamroller of just using the airplay and everything. Okay. I Want to Know by Joe is number four. I got nothing. Joe. That's it. Uh, and Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon, which makes sense because that song is ingrained in my soul. Not good. I don't like I don't like Vertical Horizon, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this year, too, we've got more of... Uh, singles do not make albums, uh, because we've got top albums of the year, what, Destiny Child? Oh, no, no, no. Albums. Top selling albums start with In Sync, No Strings Attached. Oh, thank God. I was just like, we're still on singles there, because there's no way. No, that's the biggest, like, by far. And then, uh, Eminem with the Marshall Mathers LP is, uh, that's the second one, right? First one was Slim Shady LP. Okay. So second LP, that one absolutely goes huge. We've got Britney Spears with Oops, I Did It Again. Her second album. Uh, Creed. Creed has. <laughs> Creed's happening, dude. It's a big album, man. It's a big, big album. And yeah, not only. So there's the only, the quick correlations. Santana not only has two of the top singles, but he has the fifth highest selling album of the year. That came out the year before. Okay. Bonkers, man. We've got 2001 by Dre dropping in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how you did things. But there was a lot of like millennium and 2000 things leading up to 2000. And Dre was like, we're, right. we're going, we're going one more year. Okay. Uh, Backstreet Boys come back huge with uh black and blue. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I was an InSync man myself at the time. I was more on the InSync side of the debate myself. Um, but I mean, massive, massive boy yeah. band. It, it is interesting to see them battling because Backstreet had the year before and Sync has this year. And I think Sync comes back next year. I don't know. We'll get to it right. in 15 but, minutes. Oh, this, this post grunge, man, it can't be stopped. Three Doors Down and Creed are just, I forgot about Three Doors Down when I was rattling off post grunge oh, yeah. bands. Yeah, I mean, so what? We've got Three Doors Down uh, putting out The Better Life. Nickelback puts out The State. Um, and then just full new metal with Disturbed and Papa Roach coming on the scene. I believe those are debuts by both of them. Okay. We've got Deftones dropped White Pony. Uh, we've got Merida Noms by Perfect Circle. That's how you say that? Yeah, that's how I've always said it. I'm I probably mean, I, wrong. I, I butcher literally no, I don't, everything. I do not know how to say it. Mayor C. C of names? Somebody write to us at areyouweezerfan at gmail.com. What does the uh, Perfect Circle album name translate Just to? Just use our socials. Don't fucking email me. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of your favorites. Can I cue you up for some uh, queens? 
Ah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so a band that's been a favorite of ours for a while. Um, yeah, Queens of the Stone Age. They're not their first album, but this one also starts to pop off. At this time, this is Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters' favorite band. Yeah, that's where we're at, right? Yeah, so this is, uh, at this point in time, when people in interviews are asking Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, like, hey, what are you listening to? He's like, oh man, fucking Queens of the Stone Age. Holy shit, that band rules. Um, I mean, Rated R is a good album to start saying that about, I think, for sure. Completely agree. And yeah, the self-titled had come out earlier. Uh, We get some really good pop punk in uh, 2000. We get Warning by Green Day. We get the Newfound Glory self-titled. Yeah, I mean, as much as I love Warning, and I'm sure you love Warning, uh, people don't love Warning. This this is the low point for Green Day. This is like a low point in their career. There's like three or four songs at least that are like all-time Green Day tracks for me. Yeah, no, they're they're like ready to call it quits at this point. That's why I think it's the year after this they put out international super hits. They're like, here's the best of. Uh, I guess we open for Blink now, and uh, well, thank God we're making a podcast about them to really dive into this film. <laughs> we have to move that fucking green. Uh, there is good music being made, like actual good music. Uh, Glassjaw puts out their album at the drive-in. Uh, puts out a uh, relationship of command. Like there is. We mostly focus on the mainstream on our podcast, but like there is really good shit going on mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, absolutely. Like if somebody says it's a bad year for music, it's a bad year for mainstream music. Right. I mean, a lot of the stuff we listed on this rock albums list, um, there are some solid fucking albums on this. But uh, Bill, we have to listen to the top song every year. We know this. So. Do you have anything to say about Faith Hill before we get into Faith Hill? I must know a Faith Hill song, right? I couldn't tell you one, but I gotta know this one, right? You totally know this one, Bill. Well, then I'm curious to uh, relive uh, a repressed memory of Faith Hill. All right, well, let's get into it. Breathe. Faith Hill. So on a positive note, the song ended. I like that. Didn't fade out. Uh, two, I do have to mention that this is the first country music track to be a year-end number one single since 1959. Sounds about right. That's a... Oh, man, that one's not for me, though. No, no, uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> number one of the year. Wow. Mm. It it uh, yeah. I was also just reading it never went number one, not once did it hold the one position on Billboard chart. It just like held number it just two hung out for at number so two long for the entire year. Whereas things leapfrogged quickly enough where it had the highest aggregate rating. Yeah, huh. it had the legs to just stay fucking put. Wow, so never a weekly number one, but the yearly number one. Um, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't have much to say about, like, I don't know, man. I know, it was it was a song that we listened to. Um, she has a nice voice. She does. She has a nice voice. It it's is... Very well produced. 
it's interesting that it's the first country number one single in what, like 41 years at this point. That's kind of cool. Um, but Bill, I like rock and roll. Could we listen to some rock and roll? Yes, please. Okay. Um, we talk about the Foo Fighters a lot. We have to just listen to some Queens of Stone Age, I think. <laughs> okay. It took me way too long to actually put that together. You and I both love this band. We yes. have for a very long time. Um, you were once in a band that you told me was trying to be Queens of the Stone Age a lot of the time. Would have liked to be. Um, it's a good band, man. I saw them play live recently. They put on one of the best shows I've seen of theirs. It was fucking incredible. Um, so let's just listen to a fun track off of Rated R. I don't want to listen to In the Fade today. Um, that's too boring. Let's listen to Leg of Lamb. Okay, John. We cannot listen to In the Fade. We don't have to listen to In the Fade. Let's let's do Leg of Lamb. All right. All right. You wanna follow the laws of man, yes, Bloody April, leg of lamb. a good song what a fun song um so at that point in the at that point in time the band was actually officially just two people with a lot of guest musicians popping in on that album um i think i think it'd be fair to say it's still a josh homie solo project at this point like yeah. even though nick's like an official member nick oliveri like if you're if you have that many guest musicians quote unquote I feel like you're just making you're making your album and you're saying, I need this here, I need this here, I need this song to just be a bitchin' strolled what oh God, how does that riff feel so good on this song? Right? Like, oh God, it's just such like a fun, sexy, strutting lyric. Ah oh, fun as hell. It's delightful. Love Queens. Love Queens. Uh they're gonna come back in a couple years for sure. When Dave Grohl joins the band? John, it's not a Foo Fighters podcast. You're right. It's a Green Day podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so let's listen to Warning? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's listen to... Um, we are actually going to listen to one of my most spun albums of 2000. Uh, and it's not Warning by Green Day. I apologize. We got to get some full-on new metal. We touched the new metal with Rage, but we got to go full new metal because this is the year that Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by Limp Biscuit was released. Okay. Um, what, what do you want? We're going to listen to... A, roll and roll and roll and no, no, no. What? No, we're not doing any hits here. Uh, I did get to see the song live last year, though. We're going to listen to Full Nelson, track four. Track four, Full Nelson. All right, let's hop into it. Can I do two jokes and then a real thing? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> First, um, what Limp Biscuit song was it that you wanted me to play? Because I apologize. I didn't realize that my Spotify had lapsed and it would make me watch a four-minute UFC commercial <laughs> before listening to my music. Joke one. <laughs> 
Um, and two, I like I wanted to say something about this band, but as their Spotify bio tells me, uh, Limp Biscuit is in infectious spirit, and that any other details are merely salad dressing. God damn, ain't that the truth though? Um, yeah. So, real thing now. <laughs> Joke two over. That was that was fun. That was fun. That didn't suck. Ah, uh, that song rules, dude. Um, it it really is. Just like the epitome of what, where the new, where new metal brought us, where the musical culture that we've been talking about this whole time brings us to, uh, like back the fuck, like get knocked the fuck out, say it to my face, like mass toxic, ma- the top most toxic masculinity. Oh, absolutely. This metal. is like the worst guy that, you know, at the gym that's on steroids in a song. And in the, the year before this 99 at that Woodstock, it all, all this toxic masculinity is in one place. Of course there's fucking riots and fires and like shit getting just destroyed. This went platinum in a week. I can see it. it. Sold a million copies in its first week, six yeah. times platinum in the first two years. I find that just about as believable as like the just fact that there's thousands of people in this country that have Monster Energy drink tattoos on yes, their body. That's you know, true. like that's it's, true. That, and that's essentially the same fact, is it not? <laughs> it's it gets, gets the week. same point across. Yeah, you know we feel that about? is my second gross overgeneralization of the night. Yeah, to the listeners, man. I apologize. Calm down. Well, so well, <laughs> this is where culture's at. It's a uh, you. You're either pop. You're either which is usually younger kids into the pop or you're in this angry new metal place. Yeah, and I was not in this angry new metal place. Well, a major event is about to happen that we're going to cover that kind of just changes all of the feelings in mainstream culture. Well, I think we have to spoiler go to- alert, Bill <laughs> 2001 that happens right now. Okay. So, um, let's, let's 2001. It. Um, Bill, do you just want to skip this year? Um, no. No, things happen. We're going to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, look at this. Look at this. Weezerpedia launches. Weezerpedia launches? We, oh, no, no. Wikipedia launches. Wiki. What's that strange suffix? Yeah. Wik- wiki? Wicca. Yeah, that would be a prefix. Um, uh, but Wikipedia launches, yes. Weezer. Uh, but that's fun, yeah. With the, the first ever wiki, the original wiki launches. That's fun. Yeah, that kind of was a life uh, changer for me. I'm on Wikipedia every day. Oh, 100%. Um, January 20th, George W. Bush is sworn in as the 43rd president. Uh, February 18th, race car driver Dale Earnhardt dies in a car crash. Um, was it a, it was a race, right? Yeah, it was in a race, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, Apple releases the Mac OX operating system. Um, so that's fun. New operating system. No Weezer videos on this operating system, though. Unfortunately. Uh, that's probably yeah. what hurt the sales of... Well, wait, their album wasn't out yet. No, it was not yet. Well, there's the problem. They had to get an album out first. <laughs> Bastards, yeah. Hash pipe could have yeah. been on every get it Mac out quicker. OX. Get it, get it out quicker. Um, okay, we've got uh, the first self-contained artificial heart is implanted in a patient. So that's fun. Um, you want to skip to October? <laughs> not, oh, wait, not no, because... Yeah. Um, um, look it up. Um, <laughs> 9-11 happens. It... 
will disrupt everything else that happens for the rest of this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about it when we get to music. Uh, in October, the U.S. invades Iraq. That's weird. Why? Couldn't tell you. I couldn't either. Doesn't doesn't add up from everything that I had read. This is also not a bit. It doesn't make sense. Um. Yeah. Then what? Uh, in December, on a better note, after it takes fucking twelve years to reconstruct, the Leaning Tower of Pisa reopens to the public. The fuck happened to the Leaning Tower of Pisa twelve years before that? I, been falling down for centuries they they, they gotta work on keeping it up every once in a while i thought that was its whole bit no i don't think that's a bit i think they tried to (laughs) build it normal and then like it kind of slopes and then after a while they're kind of like going for it but like also it's constantly trying to fall over okay dm us about your knowledge of uh the leaning tower of pisa please no text bill's personal cell phone number about it yes that's oh man how do you do fake numbers hard you just make them up oh yeah i was gonna get my old phone number but somebody might have that yeah that'd be a shame um yeah text random phone numbers questions (laughs) about their favorite weezer albums ask them if they're weezer fans uh no for fuck's sake uh bill movies what happened in 2001 um movies were interesting the top five as we like to do first that's the first harry potter right philosopher's stone yes harry potter comes out number one on the box office right below that Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, number two. So we got monster franchises. Big started. year for fantasy franchises. Yes. Here. Yeah. And also monsters. We have Monsters, Inc. at three. Pixar is still crushing it. Okay. Going on my continued parody destroying the previous things, Shrek is the fourth highest grossing movie. Wow. We keep hitting it. And we also get two animated films in the top five. That's fun. Yeah, that is interesting. But they're... This, End of the millennium. There's something about destroying this old cynicism for some reason or old funniness. I don't know. There's a weird cynical (laughs) make fun of the old things and now the old things can't do what they used to do because we made fun of them too damn hard. Okay. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And a fun movie. I mean, I I love Shrek growing up as a kid. Yeah. It's delightful. Yeah. Great film. Uh, Ocean's Eleven rounding out the top five. Another one of my favorites when I was a kid, you know, played on like TNT and TBS constantly. So a movie I've probably seen 80, 90 times at this point. Yeah. It it makes sense. And then uh, Michael Bay made it in there with Pearl Harbor at number six, which is just kind of the start of like people giving Michael Bay too much money. Or maybe that was Bad Boys was the start of that, but. Okay, uh, not too many other movies I wanted to hit on. Um, Zoolander was a fun one. Uh, Spy Kids, fucking goofy. Nice. Um, oh, check that out. Fast and the Furious. So another massive franchise starts in 2001. Yeah, okay. Um, we get a John and Silent Bill in there. Um, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, uh, Jane, well, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back coming out is kind of important because the uh, the setup to that is what featured Suzanne at the end of Mallrats. So kind of coming full circle. They get their moment. Okay, love that. Oh, Joe Dirt. Who doesn't love Joe Dirt? Oh, classic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and we also got uh, Tom Green with Freddy Got Fingered in 2001. Oh, God. We, we're, I think we're towards the end of the Tom Green cycle if we're in 01. Tom Green had a moment, man. All right, all right. Uh, Television-wise, Lizzie McGuire debuts in 2001. That was definitely a thing for me. Yeah, well, while while we're on the Disney Channel, um, during this whole time, starting in like 98, Disney Channel original movies 
crap. Oh, huge, <laughs> huge deal. They're coming out like every couple months. Yeah, um, like, like it would be its own section if we covered it in all these. But I think this is kind of this is kind of the golden era. So between ninety nine and two thousand one, some notable ones. That that's what I rounded us up here. Yeah, a uh, couple of my favorites. We got Smart House and Johnny Tsunami in here. Love it. Phantom of the Megaplex just made me want to work in a movie theater even more until I did. Okay, uh, we got the Halloween Towns, the first in 98, the second in 01. Yeah, Calabar's Revenge. Ooh, Xenon, the 31st century girl, right? Was she 31st? That makes sense, right? <laughs> I thought that was the bit. I hope so. <laughs> that was supposed to be, I mean, yeah, it had to be. Yeah, it'd have to be 31st. Yeah. Uh, and Mom's Got a Day with the Vampires, delightful. I just wanted to make sure that was on the list. Okay. Um, big for the nerd culture, the underground culture, what we've, are kind of driving home is Adult Swim launches on Cartoon Network. Okay, and that's a huge deal, and you kind of with that, not on Adult Swim initially, but we get Invader Zim uh, yeah. drops as well. That's um, true. The Maybe maybe it's like the kind of gothy subculture that was for like adults and older teenagers has made its way to like children for Adult uh, Invader Zim. Okay. Huh, maybe something to keep an eye on. Uh, and Bill, there's one on here that you haven't hit on yet, so go ahead and talk. Wrestling? You want to talk wrestling? The WCW ends, which was my favorite wrestling organization, and they get purchased by the WWF. And then WWF is the only wrestling... The WWF, isn't that that panda group? Yeah, they don't get sued by the panda group till later. But it leaves the WWE unchecked with no competition for about 10 years. It's wild. Okay. Well, we'll get back into that, unfortunately. Uh, people are born. Again, this list is getting smaller and I smaller, th- and it's probably going to end after this episode. I think this is it. it. And I think I know who's going to be our final. I, I think we should end with her. I think we do. Okay. Uh, we get Stranger Things actor. Uh, he plays Lucas, Caleb McLaughlin. Uh, and then we get massive pop star. Billie Eilish, Hooray. last person to be born on Are You a Weezer fan? <laughs> if you're listening, uh, wow, amazing. Yeah, uh, people die in 2001. Um, that segment is unfortunately going to continue. Bill. Yes, we're not going to get rid of deaths. Yeah. Um, outside of music, we talked about the Dale Earnhardt car crash. Uh, we also lose William Hanna. Is that of Hanna and Barbera? That is of Hanna and Barbera. Yes. Um, Massively famous cartoonist, uh, one of the biggest credits being the Flintstones. Is one of the, I mean, not directly, but indirectly the reason why Adult Swim launches. Because they were making so much content out of old Hanna-Barbera footage that they gave them their own block. And some of those shows are absolutely magnificent. They're Space all Coast magnificent. Coast to Coast, uh, The Brack Show. C-Lab. Um, and then you get some of even like, you know, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, starting to spoof some of that. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's so fucking good. Uh, within music, we get Aaliyah dies in a plane crash. Yeah. Um, George Harrison dies and I know one of your favorites, Bill, uh, Joey Ramone, Joey Ramone, RIP. He was the, uh, didn't get to be in the hall of fame induction only. I feel like it was, he died. And then the rock and roll hall of fame was like, Oh shit, we should probably get the Ramones (laughs) before they keep dying. Yeah. Okay. And And that's a bummer. Keep dying. They did. Well, let's bring it, bring the mood up a bit. Bill, I don't know if we. Can, I don't know if this does bring the mood up. Hanging by a moment, 
by Lifehouse was the number one song. Oh boy, Fallen by Alicia Keys. That's a pretty good one. Um, All for You by Janet Jackson. Wow, Drops of Jupiter by Train is oh, the God. number four song. It's a rough time. It and, is uh, a rough time. I'm a Real by Jennifer Lopez. I don't think I know that one off the top of my head. Okay. Um, man, we're going to have to listen to Lifehouse in a second. Man, yeah. But let's see. Aaliyah ends up being top five album of the year. U2 ends up with a top five album. Um, Michael Jackson? What? Michael Jackson, Invincible, is a top five album? I guess one by the Beatles. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Bill. Can you explain to me this top album of the 2001? I'm uh, I'm so baffled. I'm actually just going to double check real quick. Right, because you're, you're telling me that Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park was the uh, number one year-end album in 2001. What? Okay, 2001 is... It's, it's just... Giving a problem. Here, here, here's a better list. L- l- let's go with this for our top five because it is just a pain in the ass to find a, a concise top five Billboard album for this year, and I don't know why. So let's go. Number one for 2001 mm-hmm. was one by the Beatles, which was came out the year before in 2000. <laughs> it did well. Okay, how about this? Number two was Shaggy Hot Shot. Okay, and that was the number two album of 2001. And number three was Backstreet Boys, Back in Blue. Also a 2000 album. Interesting. Okay, well, number four is... Number four is That's What I Call Music 5. I'm sorry, the uh, cover compilation album by a bunch of randos. Now that's what I call no, music. No, wait, five. wait, wait. No, you're getting now confused with, oh, with Kids, Kids Bob. Bob. Thank you. No, no sorry. This is just this a compilation is, album, not yes. a cover yeah, compilation no, they, they album. Did, that would be fucking insane. They did nothing to these songs. And uh, and then number five, as I said, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by Limp Biscuit sold a million copies the week it came out. And then over this next year, which is 2001, sold another five million copies. So that makes some sense. Damn. No, okay. The, number six is Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Okay. Which also came out the year before. Yeah. The first album that came out the same year is Stained Break the Cycle. Interesting. I'm confused. <laughs> Likewise. Um, but either way, that just kind of adds up for not a hugely great year, slash just like the rollover from what was a pretty damn good year in 2000. Those albums still just doing real well. Yeah, I mean, any list we are looking at has now, that's what I call Music 5 on it. When a compilation is in your top five of the year, that's not a good sign. Right. And we've seen, you know, some movie soundtracks also make it into That's your true. top albums, which kind of hit that compilation thing as yeah. well. But typically a lot of those, especially in this day and age, came with some banger ass original tracks. Right. And now it does not do that. Not at all. Right. Like uh-huh. the Bodyguard soundtrack is one of the best selling albums of all time, but it's so you can get those songs. Okay. Well, Bill, what happened in rock and roll? Because I'm looking at this list, and <laughs> it makes more this sense. This list is actually pretty fucking good. It's I'm not just, pissed off at this one bit. No, it's just crazy that none of these sold enough to be in the top ten or top five. Um, I don't know where should we take it. Maybe some pop punk. Uh, Blink One Eight Two puts out "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket," 
Solid, some 41, all killer, no filler. Yeah, good album that we listened to um, on our sideshow on the Patreon. Shit, plug, um, plug in the Patreon. Yeah, check it out at some point. Uh, it, we get the Tenacious D, is that the self-titled out of that? That is the first D. Okay, uh, White Stripes come out with White Blood Cells. Yeah, um, I honestly don't know their discography that well. Is that their first full length? Or? I don't think so, and no. I don't think that's Seven Nation Army yet, but I could be totally no, wrong no, on that. No, it's definitely not Seven Nation. Break. Definitely not Seven Nation yet. Um, Andrew WK's I Get Wet, which is just a personal favorite. Yeah, um, fun one for us. We, we like that album. It, it made Andrew WK a public figure for about a decade. But Okay, uh, another favorite of yours for sure. We get some Gorillas with the self-titled in 2001. Yes, if, if I were to do a podcast on a band that I was a fan of for sure, it'd be Gorillas. Okay. Um... We have three more that we have to hit. Two albums that both came out on 9-11 that could not be any more different. Yes, this is interesting. First, we get Nickelback. They drop Silverside on September 11th, 01. Yes. Wait, is it Silverside up? Did I miss a word? You may have. Okay. It's Nickelback. It's it's, it's a Nickelback (laughs) album. I haven't listened to it. Uh, And then... uh, Again, like I was saying, we mostly do mainstream music, but on the underground, in the punk scene, Leftover Crack put out Mediocre Generica on 9-11-01, which they will never let anybody forget, naming their next album, Fuck World Trade, featuring the planes hitting the towers on the cover of that album. With a big intro to the album, talking about how they dropped an album on 9-11. It's uh, you know, it's a crust punky thing. Yeah, it uh depends on your tastes. And oh man, yeah, I, it's in my tastes. Uh, yeah, no, that album is definitely in my taste. Uh, the other one that we really, really, really got to talk about is uh, Jimmy World drops Bleed American in yes. two thousand one. Yes, yes. Um, so we we hit on them earlier. Read the story about their label. We're not going to get into that. They dropped the album Bleed American in, I believe, June or July of 2001. Yes, some people may not know it by that title. So 9-11 happens. They re-release it pretty much immediately as a self-titled. And then it stays as the self-titled into the like a 2008 re-release as Bleed American. Um, but hot off the heels of what is known as like one of the most influential second wave emo albums, Jimmy world's clarity. Um, they drop what is kind of one of the most influential third wave emo albums in Jimmy world's bleed American. Yeah. Well, uh, influential because it actually got to go mainstream. The middle and the sweetness were middle and sweet, the middle yeah. and sweetness. There we go. We're both major hits. So it brought a, sound to the mainstream that a lot of people hadn't heard before okay bill anything else on this list you want to hit on i think we need to mention that the strokes put out their big album and uh, that's important for the garage rock sound i mean we mentioned white stripes for a second but that's now white stripes at their peak the strokes the hives also came out around this time with their bigger album garage rock is bubbling under the surface I'm just blown away that you're going to call this is it 
which is The Strokes' first LP, their big album, when they're about to come out with Room on Fire in 2003 and First Impressions of Earth in 2006. Um, Bubbling under so the surface. Now I know my pick for today. <laughs> but it's uh, like we were talking about earlier how grunge, like the second grunge died, uh, pop punk was there. It was ready. Garage rock is right there. It's waiting for something to change in the zeitgeist that lets it flourish. Absolutely. And we are going to get into this British Invasion 9.0 of, <laughs> um, you know, your vaguely British, vaguely garagey alt rock um, in which the Strokes and the Hives and Franz Ferdinand and, you know, all that shit eventually leads to Kings of Leon, which is going to be the biggest thing in the world you know, ten years from now, were they? Are they? I when I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know shit about Kings of Leon. They were. They had that one song. Okay. But Bill, what, what was the biggest song of the year that we got to uh, listen to before we listen to good music? I know. I'm like I'm looking up Stroke songs that I want to listen to. No. All right, we're gonna listen to Lifehouse. Um, hanging by a moment. Maybe this listen will change. I haven't heard this song in forever, but it's still just in my brain right now i can't put a song to this oh lucky so you. yeah I've, I've been hearing it for the past 30 minutes okay well let's hear it for the next three and a half Somehow, of all the number one songs we've listened to on this episode, that was the one that was like the closest to my sensibilities as a music fan, but also the second most offensive. I'm not going to (laughs) say it's more offensive than Too Close by Next because that was a song about a boner. Um, I wish this was a song about a boner. This is just post-grunge, boring nonsense. <laughs> also, it didn't come out in 2001. It came out in 2000. It's crazy. Bad year for music. I guess. Again, pop music was just... I wonder what happened that made Americans <laughs> not buy music. I mean, forfeiting the last four months of a year, I feel like shouldn't make all of these 2000 songs the biggest thing of 2001. I don't understand. Maybe it's for minds greater than ours to really get to the bottom of. Or maybe we're just idiots and we're missing something. Why not both? <laughs> um. Okay, that, that bummed me out. <laughs> that, that bummed me out. That bummed me out a lot. That made me sad. Well, what do you want to listen to to cheer yourself up? I, wanna, I don't want to listen to music, Bill. I want to watch cartoons. Can you do that for me? Oh, hey, cool. I like that. That's nice. I want to listen to gorillas. And it's essentially the same thing in my mind. Yeah, as much as you hate cartoons, uh, gorillas dropped in 2001 with their self-titled album, and this is actually the first single. Uh, Clint Eastwood was indeed the second single, which was a smash hit. Uh, so we're going to listen to Tomorrow Comes Today off of Gorilla's self-titled. All right, let's have some fun with this one. Track three, Tomorrow Comes Today. Tomorrow, 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 
reason I don't like the reels is because I don't listen to them. Number one, <laughs> that's a start, I guess. And um, two, because I hate you with a deep-seated passion, and I refuse to yes. uh, acknowledge the things that you love. Yeah. So what I'm gathering is that you enjoyed that song. It's a damn good time, and I love that band. Yeah. Um. That that was a good track. That 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 was fun. That was vastly different than Clint Eastwood. Um, at at this point in time in two thousand one with the self titled, is it just the two of them? Gorillas is always just the two of them. It then is, it with is, random collaborators popping in. It is Armis. <laughs> it is artist Jamie Hewlett and Damon Albarn from uh, Blur. Okay. But so, then, I mean, on the same album, we get Clint Eastwood, which we've got Delta Funky Homo Sapien makes an appearance on. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you are correct. They okay. do. Collaborators are a big part, but they are never in gorillas, I guess. Or maybe the collaborators are gorillas. Right. Because, I mean, the band is a virtual four piece of right. these four kind of cartoon characters that have their own personas and lives and they share an apartment, right? Is that their shtick? Uh, they all, John, we can't do this. This is, this is a Weezer podcast or a Green Day podcast, but if we start talking gorillas, uh, I'll be here for another. You're right. Honestly, send us your money to listen to the gorillas hour because we're not fucking doing this right now. Yeah, but no, no. That, that was a fun time, Bill. Thank um, you, and that was the 2001 Gorillaz self-titled, the same album that the massive, massive, like at this point in time, 20 plus years of being one of the most recognizable songs within the musical zeitgeist for us. Oh, yeah. And what's wild is that's not even their biggest or most recognizable song. They just kept getting bigger for a bit. Really? Yeah. Feel Good Ink blew Clint Eastwood out of the water. Okay. Well... Bill, you knew what was going to happen. Um, we have to talk about Bleed American today. Okay. That's going to be my pick. All right. Um, because not only is this album fun as hell, one of my favorites, something that's going to be hanging up on the wall probably by the end of the night with some red yarn. Um, it's also an incredibly important to the Weezer story. Yes, that's true. We're going to listen to um, a, a different song than the one I'm going to talk about right now. But on this album, there is a song, Hear You Me, a phrase that you might remember from our good friends, Michael and Carly. Um, yeah, every wheezing they worked on signed off that way. And it's also in the course of uh, Rivers Cuomo's tribute to... Michael and Carly. Yeah. So even though Jimmy World did not play the tribute show or make the tribute album, to my knowledge, I could be horribly wrong on that, and we'll get back to that in the bullshit episode. Um, they did release a song on Bleed American that was written for the two of them, and the two of them were very influential to the band. Uh, that's where the band stayed when they were on tour in Southern California. Um just like those girls were rooting for Weezer, they were rooting for Jimmy World, just not doing so much of the fan club work, um, you know, because they weren't asked to. Um, well, I mean, who needs to? They had a major label deal already. 
until this album came yeah, out. Yeah, then they gave it up, and then they got another one. Yeah. Um, so I think we just listened to the title track, Bill, because we talked a little bit about sweetness. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, the middle, you know, the big, big, massive, massive tracks. Um, you know what? No, I'm going to I'm gonna actually contradict myself. We're not going to listen to the title track, Bleed American. Okay. We're going to listen to a song that uh, I saw live this summer. I saw Jimmy World play Red Rocks. Um, me and my wife were there with a friend. It was a lot of good fun. And this song, it was so much fun and so well done, uh, immediately became my wife's favorite Jimmy World song. And we've been fans of this band for a while. So let's listen to a praise chorus. Ooh, fun. favorite tracks man holy shit um so one of the things that i love about not just that song but something jimmy world does um i love songs about songs (laughs) that's true you do love songs about songs and like that's not so much a song about a song exactly that's kind of a song about just how fucking excellent live music can make you feel at times um, but you know, there's the little bridge that lists a bunch of songs that were important mm-hmm. to the band. It's like, man, fuck, that's so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that fucking rules. Like the balls on Jimmy Eat World to leave their major label and when they were like, well, we don't want your next album. They're like, well, somebody does because this is fucking amazing. Yeah, because we <laughs> they got weren't some wrong. stuff here. <laughs> they were like, we, we have this. Yeah. Um. Wow. 2001's Bleed American slash 2001 Jimmy World self-titled. Jimmy World. Huh. What, what a song, man. That was, just, that was a fun one. What a time. We are... Uh, we, the podcast, are now in a post-9-11 world. And so, interestingly now, Bill, I do want to ask you, where are you at the end of 2001? Middle school, okay. playing more guitar. I believe, where am I actually living? I think I have learned how to play hashpipe by this point. Okay. Um uh, and I wanted to ask this one specifically because I'm a little bit younger than you. Yes. And in a post 9-11 world is when I can actually really definitively say where I was at. See. A pre-9-11, it's just like a, a blur. Post 9-11, like I can tell you exactly where I was. Yeah. So then I can tell you my parents had split at this point. <laughs> I can tell you, you get your nice I set. had not yet gotten an Xbox. And I didn't have a GameCube yet. But now, like, because that's where I was at the start of this episode. And that's why I was like, I can tell you what my music tastes were because they started to solidify. Would that be the same for you starting from here on? Yes. So moving forward, it's going to be a lot more of I actually fucking know things. (laughs) Um, But really kind of September 2001 is when I 
can start putting together my personal timeline and it's less fuzzy um, without having to think about it too hard. Right. What's the, uh, one of the TikTok trends is like gaining the moment you gain consciousness and you're like, Oh, and it's people always have weird stories. Like when you're in the grocery store and your mom hands you something and all of a sudden you're a person. You're like, Ugh. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Bill, that's where we were at. Where was Weezer at at the end of 2001? They had just released, uh, the green album. It's, Doing pretty well. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is that the album's going to come out in the middle of the year and they are going to go right into some touring that is also a bit of a writing session. Yeah, we keep thinking that the touring session is going to back off a little bit. Um, You know, this episode is always going to be a little bit of a bear because the years are never going to get away from us. But um, (laughs) At uh, some point, you think Weezer might not play 180 shows in a year, and then, boom, they play 180 shows in a year on you. Well, I know Weezer's going to slow down with shows at one point, but the years, John, the years start... They keep on coming, and they don't... They start coming... They don't stop coming. They don't stop coming. happened during this year. We did, we did, Jesus Christ, is this how we shoehorn them in? All-Star came out in 99. That is how we shoehorn this in. Love it. I think I think that's I think that's an episode. All right. Uh Bill, I know you're a Smash Mouth fan. I really fucking am. I love it. But more importantly, are you a Weezer fan? Join us next week. We are going back on the road with Weezer for the Green Album Cycle. Uh Bill, where can people find us? You can check us out on Twitter or X at A-Y-A-W-F pod or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, Yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non-Weezer music. Uh, We still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, Yeah, we'll see you next time.